0: Hi guys, this is Doug Fletcher. Welcome back to What's the Hazard. It is Friday, September 25th, uh, the last Friday of the month, which means it is time for our leadership series. So Aaron Cerrone is sitting here with me today. Thanks for coming back, man. Thanks, buddy. Uh, people don't usually come back. They usually come <laughs> once and that's the last time I see them. So. I felt
1: obligated as a friend. I,
0: I appreciate it. Plus I got your shirt on today. <laughs> there you go. Man. So, uh, Hey, let's thank our sponsors. First, first and foremost, uh, this episode is brought to you by CCS Group. Cheyenne Wolford and the folks at Custom Concrete Specialists. Safety Reports, um, I hope you've been checking into Safety Reports. Steve, Chet, and all those folks um, doing a fantastic job. Um, Nebraska Department of Labor, the on-site consultation group, Jim Cover. The Free Service, uh, not like uh, some of us. And then uh, Medical Enterprises, Lou DeMauro and all the folks at Medical Enterprises um, making – occupational health services more convenient for you and today's episode is sponsored by mid America martial arts my friend aaron sarone's business um i am a customer of mama and um i wanted to ask you man first before we get started how, how is business i mean are things back to normal yeah, are they
1: uh, get well first i gotta say every time i come in here i'm a little more intimidated because there's more is. this is a spooky is place. more though. stuff on the walls there's cameras up here now we got lighting I mean, just, I know so I'm not is, sure you and I have a good side, but hopefully right, yeah. they get somewhat of a good yeah, side. Yeah, get my good side, Sasha, if you <laughs> would, please. I'll, I'll turn around, so, yeah, no um, doubt. No, it's good. Is no, I, um, it was, I mean, obviously, with, with the whole COVID um, fiasco, and I say fiasco because I have my own personal opinions of yeah, it all, but, um, you know, there was a time when, I have to say, we've been pretty fortunate that Nebraska handled it the way it did, um, keeping things fairly open. Uh, I know some of my friends who have martial art, I can speak only to martial arts schools, right? Who have uh, gyms and schools in other States and they're, they're, ha- they're still closed and they're ham- they're Gosh. likely not going to recover. They're probably done for good. No, do um, and, and luckily we, um, we never totally shut down. Um, we stopped our group classes and, and left it kind of an open format. And um, we found some creative ways to still uh, service our customers and give them some things. And we did, we did a lot of freebies and, and it, One thing, in hindsight, it really pushed us to get our online university up and running, something I've been talking about for Mm -hmm. years. It just never, it always kept getting pushed at the bottom of the priority list, and then this really forced us to get it up and running and and fairly quick, so I'm glad we did that. So, you know, we were able to stay in contact. And then, you know, to be honest, once um, they started opening things back up here with the restaurants and the bars and, and things like that, and then we started to open back up, uh, really, the the gates flooded for us, and Good. we probably had our best 60 days in between June and August than we did in the history of the gym. Mm-hmm. So, and I think that was a lot of factors in that. I know mean, I've had a lot of people ask me why, you know, as far as enrollment and as far as new students, probably the best 60 days ever. And I think it's a, it's a couple of things. People sitting at home, you really start looking at your bucket list. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, hey, you know, if this thing really is going to kill us all, which <laughs> we know that, you know, that didn't help. But or or we stay locked down, you know, I'm going to first chance I get out. I'm going to start doing the things I've wanted to do. That's and that's an interesting. And yeah. then, um, you know, everybody's got a little bit of stimulus money in their pocket now. So right. it's, so I think people are just pulling the trigger. What,
0: what about um, one thing I wanted to ask you about? Are people coming? Seeking out martial arts instruction because of the current, uh, like, climate? I mean, you are know, people afraid? It's I mean, do funny you ask
1: do- that because I, I was literally just talking about that in my entrepreneur class at UNO, um, and, I, and I was saying that, you know, one of the biggest mistakes a business owner can make is uh, assuming people like your product for the same reasons you do.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right,
1: so, you know, I know I, I know why I started martial arts, you know, back in 1986 because I got beat up by three kids walking home from school. hmm And, uh, so my reasons for doing it, uh, and becoming a lifelong practitioner are much, much different than probably the majority of people walking in in the door. Right. right. So, you know, I have to acknowledge that every person walks in the door for a different reason Mm -hmm. and, and I have to understand that and then tailor what we offer to them. Mm -hmm. Right. And to make sure their needs are being met. So to answer your question, you you name it, that's the type of person that's coming in the door and and the reasons why families, individuals, Mm -hmm people looking just to get fit, people who are honestly want, want to learn to defend themselves, right. um, people who just, hey, I've always wanted to try it, you know, type things. And uh, so it's, it's really across the board, and which is a good thing because it gives a, a good eclectic environment and community. And then, you know, it's, it's just proof that, you know, martial arts can, can be beneficial to anybody, mm-hmm. you know. And, you know, if you look at, we were, we were talking about value proposition in, in class this week, and I said, you know, it's values relative, absolutely Uh, to to the user and you know so it's like what how am i going to make you better how am i going to solve your problem how's my product or service going to do that so our value proposition if you go to our website it says uh helping people create better versions of themselves right so that speaks nothing to martial arts but it really speaks to What everybody's trying to do, Mm -hmm. regardless of their reason coming Mm -hmm. in. Like if you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the tip of the pyramid is self actualization, like being the best version of yourself, right? right? Being reaching your fullest potential. And and we just try to use martial arts to do that for Mm -hmm. people. It's just the vehicle for that. it's, It's a medium, exactly. Interesting. I
0: think that's really interesting, man, because I know why I've come. And your comment about you know, people are coming for reasons, you know, different than what led you into martial arts Mm -hmm. and I I have that same self-conversation about safety when I'm talking to people about safety I used to assume I knew what they needed to hear And, uh, and I always tailored my presentations or my discussions based on what I thought they needed to hear which was typically not the case and so I just kind of opened it up and I stopped limiting those things and then people started to actually respond better because I would just sure you know it wasn't something that I thought that was important to them It was kind of like that uh, I know what's best for you philosophy you know well yeah and which and, is incredibly and if dangerous. we're going to bring
1: this full circle since we're, it's a leadership day is like um, a lot of leaders take the approach I know how you need to be led rather mm-hmm. than finding out how they want to be led or how that person needs it. Like I, I, think I know how everybody should be led, right? And when it's like, well, everybody needs to be led a little bit differently, right? Because they have different needs, they, they have different approaches. Uh, the way you say things resonate different with different people. Like nothing I say here uh, is—I'm not inventing anything, right? Uh, you know, the the hope is is how I convey it or resonate with mm-hmm. with your listeners. Right? Um, it, it's not like I'm, I'm inventing it. Anybody that you know, talks leadership or management, like the concepts have been around for eons right Absolutely. it's just it's just how we um present it and approach it and tailor it and package it will resonate differently with everybody mm-hmm. right if, if you look at all the authors of all the leadership and management books they're all saying the same stuff right just in different ways and and using different stories and fables and whatnot to convey the message and uh, once in a while people will bring concepts together maybe in a new and unique way but um you know going back to it, it's like if I understand everybody's coming to me to learn martial arts for different reasons it only makes sense that People want to be led different ways.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. That's exactly what you're doing in those. Exactly. Are you still doing a, you know, my wife uh, attended one of the
1: Saturday self-defense classes. You know, are you still doing any uh, of those kind of things? You know, we backed off on them. I've done a few private groups, you know, some, Mm -hmm. you know, the The soccer soccer moms want to get together and they'll come in Mm -hmm. on a Saturday. I haven't opened it back up. I've been kind of, you know treading light on that with with everything mm. going on. Mm. Um I don't think people are still quite comfortable. People outside of our gym still quite mm. comfortable just coming in on a whim. Um but um, probably next month we'll start doing our monthly Good. regular monthly freebie. Good. Uh, which is always fun to do and um I think people are, are starting to get ready to get out and be about especially in the Midwest. It's kind of funny. Uh, I've traveled the last a few times in the last month or so and uh it's uh funny how the the Midwest I think people are more comfortable getting out and about on the coast, not yet, you know, so I think location's huge. And I think that's why my friends with the gyms on the coast are really struggling right now because they're just not quite to that point. Maybe we're a little more reckless in the Midwest. I don't uh, know. Maybe. I mean, maybe (laughs) we're more, you know,
0: maybe, I mean, maybe we're more deniers. Maybe we are, I mean, there tends to be some, and I, I hate to even go down this road, but there tend to be some political, uh, sure impact or whatever you would, how you would describe and, that to how we people
1: approach this? Certainly. Sure. I think too, that if you just look at physical space, you know, we're, we're more spread Absolutely. out from each other. We have more space so we can get more out and about. We're not in a city on top of each other. Right. You know, so, so I think the comfort level is different. Absolutely. Well. We
0: were, we were just in Denver. I know you and I've talked about this. We were just in Denver last week. Lovely city, <laughs> lovely city, man. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I've got a son that lives out there goes to school out there, um, It is different. The attitude is different, certainly. It's more of a vertical city. You know, everybody lives above each other in these, you know, more of these um, apartment-style, townhouse-style dwellings. Everybody's a little bit more um, tentative, I think, to be with other people in other people's space. Uh, And then you go up into the mountains, which is why we really went out there, just, you know, visit Kent, but get up into the mountains a little bit. And then you start to see a little bit more of that Midwestern attitude. You get up into these smaller mountain communities, not the city. And then it just kind of, um, they're they're aware that there's a virus out there, but it's not quite as tight and constrained as in in Denver. I mean, it was, I I didn't enjoy it. I'll be honest with you. (laughs) I did not, I'm not a, you know, I'm not a big city guy. First of all, sure, it's just too tight for me, too much concrete, you know,
1: people walking their dogs on concrete yeah, I can do it in spurts. Like you know, I grew up an hour and some change south of New York City, and then about an hour and some change north of Philly. So I'm right, right in between two of the biggest cities in the country. Yeah. So I could go up there for a day or two, and then I'm done. Like yeah. I need to get out. It was enough. Yeah, yeah. Hey, man,
0: I do want to make I want to make one observation. I, we got some questions. I solicited questions, and once again, um, the listeners came up with some great questions, which I appreciate. Um, just as a reminder, if you put your Um, mailing address in with your question i'm going to send you a what's the hazard t-shirt obviously everybody wants one of those at some point my observation though for this week is um, i I don't want to i'm not a bandwagon guy typically but i do want to put my uh, thanks out there to emergency responders and from from a safety standpoint this is a slightly different take on this perhaps but every industrial accident, every construction accident, uh, that we ever investigated while I was with OSHA was responded to by some EMS person or some volunteer firefighter or some deputy sheriff or someone in the emergency response community. They are responding to these horrific accidents and they are typically horrific. And, um, I, I just want to let them know how much, at least, I appreciate the fact that they are willing and able to respond to these incidents. When you, when you are caught in a machine or you've been hit by a piece of equipment or something, <laughs> and, and you are in need of some assistance, man, and the vast majority of people could not stomach that, you know. And I'm not even sure that responders, other than the fact that they've become somewhat numb to it, perhaps, can stomach it, but they but they come anyway, and they pull you out of that machine, or they pick up your body parts and carry, I mean, whatever the case might be, man. Um, I don't think people appreciate that, in addition to the other things that they do, they are responding to some of the most horrific accidents imaginable, and so, um, again, I, I just want to say thank you uh, for doing that. I, I had the unfortunate opportunity on two occasions as an OSHA person to respond to accidents and fatalities uh, while the victim was still on site usually you come in afterwards uh, you know whatever is left of the scene you can investigate but but the individuals who were involved are typically gone so all you're doing is looking at pictures that have been provided by their emergency responders which are just graphic and horrific enough in and of their own right but On two occasions, we responded where there were individuals still on site. And, it, man, it is just – it's horrible. So, um, for that reason, I just want to give an extra thanks to uh, all of you folks that are out there doing that for us. Um, Many times, just volunteers. You know, in many of the small towns in Nebraska, these are volunteer firefighters. Uh, They work at the plants. They work at the facilities. And they're also responding to these incidents.
1: We uh – Back home where I grew up in Pennsylvania, you would hear the siren go off. Uh, that would
0: summon all the volunteers. for the fire
1: department or the ambulance, yeah. and um, it was all volunteer. And you know, which, which is awesome that people would do that, but you also have to know that it's going to be a little bit before mm-hmm. they get there, yeah. which is which is terrifying in its own right. You know, so our ambulance and our firefighters was completely hundred percent volunteer, except for maybe like one person, and. Um, so you you would hear the siren go off, and whoever, whoever's on quote unquote on duty, you'd see them go running to the to the fire station and hop in and go. Right, man. And then,
0: so yeah, they have to leave their workplace, go to the fire station or wherever they go, get their equipment, and right. then go to respond. And, and we're
1: not talking firefighters like here, where they go through an extensive academy or anything like that, or there's an extensive uh, selection process. It is. Hey, we need some guys, you know, and you're at the, the local PTA meeting and, right. you know, the chief of the fire department gets, them and says, Hey, we're, we're short some guys, we need some people. And then, you know, then they do their training themselves and some self- on the job training Right. and then, uh, off can you, go. you pass a bucket full of water to the next guy <laughs> right. kind of a thing?
0: Exactly. Well, anyway, man, um, y- y- your service is appreciated. So thank you for what you're doing. All right, let's get to the questions. Again, uh, last week I sent out a request for questions, and as it has been the case, um, got some great feedback. So thank you for everyone who sent a question in. The first question comes from Jennifer L. I'm assuming it's Jennifer Lopez. Um, of course. Once that, I mentioned that, that, that is were, the type of
1: following we have. <laughs> that's right.
0: Man. I assume that she was interested in leadership. So her, here is her question. Is good leadership a matter of opinion? And then she goes on to say, can you tell us about a good leader from your personal experience and
1: maybe someone who is not such a good leader? Right. This is an awesome question uh, for a number of reasons because it's all a matter of perspective. So I'll I'll give you um, from an objective point of view um, as far as leadership. So in my mind, you know, it's kind of like what is a good culture? What is a good workplace culture? What is a good leader? And at the end of the day, uh, you know, one way to measure it is purely objective in, in terms of productivity. Like is productivity up? Is sales up? Right. So in in that respect, if if those are true, if revenue's up, if sales are up, if productivity's up, margins are up, it's tough to argue that leadership is bad. Right. right? If injury rates are down, I mean at the end end of the day, the job of leadership and management is to run the company and and to revenue and profit. Right. So we don't like to say that, but that that's the truth, because it doesn't matter how happy people are, if you're not making money that CEO's getting fired, right? At the end, of, because the company's not going to exist, right? I, I try to get people to understand that, especially like in the last handful of years where, you know, the mantra has been make the place like Disneyland so everybody's happy. And I'm like, that's cool and all, but if we're not making money, nobody has a job. So how happy are you going to be then at the right. end of the day? So um, in that respect, I think leadership is very objective because it's like, are you productive or not? okay, are you producing or not? Are you getting your people to produce or not? You may not necessarily like the person leading you, but if the place is highly productive, then it's tough to argue that it's a bad leadership style in that respect, right? Mm -hmm. Because remember, I want to say in that respect. Now, is it a matter of opinion? And well, yes, there's that aspect as well, is do I feel like I'm being led well, right? I think that's a huge, huge thing to understand. It's like from from my perspective as a leader and manager, okay, productivity's up. Safety problems, hazards are down, incidents are down, uh, missed days are down, everything's running good, margins are up. Hey, we're doing this right. But that doesn't necessarily mean on their perspective, they view they're being lead, led properly, right? So um, that's important to understand as well. Uh, I'm not saying that gets discounted if you're making a lot of money, but you have to start looking at things like, well, what's my turnover look like? If, if productivity is up, but I have a lot of turnover, Okay, that that's that's a hint that there's something going on and there's something wrong. Right. That maybe the leadership style needs to be tweaked because it's not resonating well. Like you have the systems and processes in place to get people highly productive, but they're unhappy and they're leaving. Okay, so that is opinion based right there. Right. Because they don't feel like they're being led. They don't feel like you're you have their best interests at heart uh, at the same time. Um, I think, you know, when you have people staying for a long time in a highly productive environment, now you know you're firing off cylinders. Um, so that's where those conversations need to happen, like in your one-on-ones, uh, talking to people, finding out what they like, what they dislike, what's bothering them, what's not bothering them, and then you really get to the heart of you know, again, like I said earlier, how they like to be led, because not everybody likes to be led the same, right? So you can lead the organization, right? So there's this aspect of I'm leading and driving the organization as a whole, but then I also had to lead and drive each individual, right? And that will drastically change based on that person. So as a whole, I might be doing a great job driving the organization, but I might be failing individuals within that. Okay, and that's important to understand.
0: That that is one of the most astute things that I've heard you say, man. And and, <laughs> and I, I'm not—I try once I, in a while. I throw man, one that, out that there. That was right on the money. I I find that so interesting because OSHA was interesting in that respect. Uh, the Omaha area office has historically been a very high-performing office, but I could say, at least from my own perspective, and with some certainty that. Nowhere was there a more miserable group of people, you know. I mean, it was almost like the old, like we were rowing one of those ships with some guy standing there whipping us, you know. I mean, Mm -hmm. we performed. So all of those objective metrics were always top. We were always at the top. Mm -hmm. But, man, the turnover, myself included. I mean, I quit a 25-year government career basically because I was miserable.
1: Right. And depending how that person's leadership is looking at it, if they're a numbers person and they see the numbers are good or, or improving, they're not going to question the methods. They're not gonna, Yeah, because it's like, well, it, they're getting results. Mm-hmm. Right. And and there's something to be said for that. I get it. Like it makes at the end of the day, results are important. Um, you know, who you going to who are you going to keep around? Who are you going to fire the person getting results or the person making everybody happy and not getting results? Right, I that's just the nature go. of the beast when it right. comes to business and, and having to survive or having to get results. You know, the military was the same way, right? You don't, you know, the whole mantra: you don't have to like me, but you're going to respect me, mm-hmm. right? Because stuff's got to get done. It's not, you know, just salute smart. It is you salute smartly and soldier on. Uh, I think there's a time and a place for that, mm-hmm. um, but as a whole, you can still get results and not be tyrannical or, or and keep people and and reduce turnover and get people to want to be there at the same time. Can can you get results that
0: you want and have a contented or at least a, a satisfied work environment? Absolutely. absolutely. That exists. It it does exist. It It does exist. It's hard.
1: It's hard as hell because sometimes, you know, you have to, the, the hardest part as a leader, I think is, is doing both right. And understanding that, Hey, this needs to get done. I understand you don't like it, but it needs to get done. And if you can't do that, I'm going to have to find somebody that can, right? You have to have those, those conversations. Moments those moments exist, Absolutely. right? And I think part of the problem is is those people are like, well, I don't want to upset anybody. So I'll just, you know, I'll not be, I don't want to be confrontational. And I don't want to have that hard conversation. And then you let somebody there that's going to waffle and not get the results that you need or not perform like you need them. And so those are both bad, right? Like I can, I can drive you and get the results that I need. And you're not going to like me. OK, so I'm getting results, but I'm damaging relationships or I'm so protective of the relationship that I'm not going to get the results that I need out of either the performance right there. Either way, it's not an ideal situation. Right. So it's finding that balance. Right. And and it's possible. Right. It's just it's just hard and it takes work. And I think that's what separates the good leaders from the bad like or the exceptional leaders from the good leaders. Right. It's finding that balance of. You know, building those relationships, making it a place people want to be, and getting them to perform at a high level. Mm -hmm. It's kind of the whole good to great approach. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Great book, by the way.
0: Great book, Uh, one that I've even read. And and I've read, you know, not to suggest that I can't read, um, but uh, I don't read a lot of uh, business-oriented type books. Uh, You know, they more tend to be more Mm -hmm. safety. Whatever.
1: I mean, that that book's a tough read too. it,
0: It was a difficult read, but. I think you know what you just touched on there to be the tyrannical leader who gets results is just easier it's an it's easier than being the leader who gets results but also develops a culture where p- people want to perform want to stay I mean, yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think it's just an
0: easy, it's just it's, an easier. Just like the guy who one's wants more be black white, and white yeah. right? and
1: one's just, you know, do it or get out, you know, yeah. but at the same time, you know, w- what's kind of the mantra you hear right now from a lot of, especially industrial and construction oriented type businesses that you deal with, like you always hear people saying it's, it's, it's tough to find good people. It's tough to find people that want to work. Well, why is that? That's great.
0: That's a great point. You know, like, what, yeah, I hear that all the time. I get time. it.
1: There, there's there's sound argument that we have an entire generation or two that just that type of work just doesn't appeal to them anymore. And mm-hmm. it's getting harder and harder to find people that are willing to do that work. I, I get that. But at the same time, is that if you're a company that built a reputation, that's an awesome place to work, people are taken care of no matter how shitty the work is, people start to come seek you mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, if your employees Agreed. are doing nothing but going, this place is awesome, I love it. Yeah, dude, but you shovel crap all day. Well, yeah, I know, but, mm-hmm. you know, I love doing it. And, and it's like, take care of me. I, I want for nothing, this, that, and the other thing. And now, like, what? Okay, when people are looking for jobs, they're like, man, Doug talks, yeah. you know, volumes about the place Right, shoveling crap doesn't sound gonna, so gonna, bad. Yeah, I'm going to go those? check it out, you know, and then it That's takes care of point. itself.
0: And you could be—I um, don't know what a great job would be, necessarily, polishing diamonds. I don't know what would, would be great necessarily, but but it could be miserable too, man. And um, sure. we we always had that discussion um, about OSHA. I mean, you know, the mission is very noble, and I actually there were parts of the work that I just absolutely loved, but there were also elements of the the management style or just the approach, and not necessarily individuals approaches but more of just an agency approach oftentimes that had filtered down from the top apparently that were much more difficult and so in an environment where you find yourself really enjoying the work but struggling with the the management style or the administration man um you know I, I don't know we would we would do these uh, I can remember I'm going to just probably share a secret that I shouldn't but we did these um one of these personality tests. Do you remember when you would you would get four letters? A, I'm a DFCG. Sure, whatever sure. the hell it meant, you know. Right. It was some indication about how I performed in a group and what my strengths and weaknesses were. And uh, the government would periodi- uh, periodically go through these phases where they wanted to do these things. They wanted to seem like they were on the cutting edge of, you know, business and management. And so we would do these tests. And I can remember one time, as an office, we did that. We did the test and we got our results back and we found out that we were, I don't know, I don't remember what the four letter, but it was a four letter acronym that described sure. you and these different elements of your character. And I can remember we sat down in the conference room and the, the boss at the time came in and sat down and basically said, I really don't care what your personality type is, just get back to work. You know, I mean, when we went through this entire process, right, we were all sitting there waiting to see how we fit into the the puzzle, you know, so Um,
1: that's a classic case of that person didn't understand, had no desire to try to understand and and just didn't want to deal with it. Exactly. Like total ego getting in the way. Absolutely. And, and yeah, you know, some of those personality tests can, can feel cliche-ish can, can feel like, oh, we're just going through the motions. And they only are if that's how you treat them, mm-hmm. right? Um, I I know a friend of mine who uses what they call the disc test as a way of hiring, and has found out that if people score in a certain region on the disc, that they're more apt to succeed in that line of work. And and he told me he's like ninety five percent of the time it holds true. Really. Uh, so as a leader, when in there's like sixteen personalities, I think is what it really breaks down to right four four yeah four by four. So. Um, it's not that suddenly you're going to be omniscient understanding what Doug's four letters are, but what it does, it keys me in, like I alluded to earlier, like how Doug needs to be led. Like, if I understand that you are very objectively driven and a regimented type of person, I can lead you differently, right? Than Sasha over here, right? If she's more altruistic and more of the feels. Mm-hmm. Right. And by mm-hmm. no means is that a man or woman thing. I just mm-hmm. realized what mm-hmm. I did, but mm-hmm. you oh, know, God. so that's a, that's a different, she looks mad. That's a different approach. Uh, yeah, so reading, no like I know I can say, Doug, if you hit this goal, I'm going to give you a bonus. You're going to be like FNA, I'm on it. I'm and, it. And you're probably going to hit it. Whereas if I do that with her, it might not mean anything. And she'll likely not hit it. may not motivate her at all. might not motivate her at all. But I could say is, Hey, if you hit this bonus, um, we're going to donate $5,000 in your name to whatever charity you want. Mm-hmm. That's a different mm-hmm. approach, right? And now, now she might hit that goal, unlikely Absolutely. will, right? So, but if I have no idea how you guys are motivated or the type of personality you are, I can't do that, right? Right? And if and if I'm so ignorant to the fact that I don't care what it says, just get back to work. I'm like, dude, you are missing out on such. It, it's more that you're missing out on such an opportunity. To your performance might be at level X, but if I take that information and understand how to lead you and motivate you, I can take your performance to another level. So you so that person that said that is really missing out on a lot of his potential to get the organization to perform at an even higher
0: level. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. I, I think you're absolutely right. And it could be as simple as Doug responds to thank you you exactly. Know, just just that simple acknowledgement. You, you
1: need that attaboy, pat on the butt mm-hmm. every once in a while. Not every day, mm-hmm. but every once in a while. And all of a sudden, Doug's happy. He likes working here. He's showing up on Saturdays. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Before, he was sick all the time. Right. Finding yeah. excuses <laughs> Cold not to be sick there. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like that. And it, it's so funny. And I'll give you another prime example. Um, uh, I know a friend who has a, uh, a medical staffing company. They place traveling nurses. And... Um, one of his contests, like he would do contests, and that if, if the company hit this goal, like it was a goal of number of placements within a certain period of time, he offered to take every employee and their significant other to Mexico to an all-exclusive resort. Sp- all expenses paid. Yep. They didn't hit the goal.
0: That didn't motivate them.
1: Didn't hit the goal. That wasn't all. it. Really. How crazy is that? That is crazy right well, didn't even come close he he's also offered you know cash prizes uh, of $5000 to hit a monthly goal people wouldn't hit doesn't it doesn't work
0: isn't that interesting you know there's a company up in blair that i work with they they told me something very similarly they they have a program that if you are on time to work for the entire 80 hour pay period Which just
1: for the record that just blows my mind that <laughs> if you are on time
0: to work for the entire 80 hour pay period um all, all 10 days of work, you're on time, basically. You get an extra dollar an hour, which, you know, 80 bucks I'd or 15 minutes early. 100 bucks. Yeah. He said, says, how much? <laughs> he yeah. said their compliance rate is about 30%. About 30% of the employees show up on time to their assigned work hours and get this extra money. I mean, it just doesn't seem like. Money isn't necessarily always the motivator. I'd be,
1: I'd be curious if that, yeah, you know, it, the, the the key there is for that manager, for that leader to figure out what's going to get them to show up on time. Like there, there's going to be something, right? It's yeah. just a matter of figuring it out. And that's where the laziness piece comes in. It's like, well, they're never going to show up on time, so let's just deal with it. No, that's not the answer at all. Mm-hmm. It's like, dude, you got to do some, re- that's your job. That's why you're there, mm-hmm. right? That's why you're there. That's why you're in charge of people, that's why you're there to lead people is to maximize their performance, right? And getting them to show up on time is a piece of that, right? So it's on you to figure it out. It's on you to talk to them, to find out, hey, why can't you get here on time? What can we do to get you here on time? What would you like to see that will make you here? You know, you got to figure it out. Right. Right? Figure it out. It might be talking to them. It might be talking to their families. Maybe you find out because you didn't know jack crap about that employee that that person has six kids at home and the wife's been sick and he's been on – kid duty in the mornings the last month and that's why he's been late but you never bothered to figure that out but right but we always we always promote the person that
0: is best at the job they they have been the best uh performer in mm -hmm. the job they get promoted typically but that doesn't necessarily mean they have any of those aptitudes or skills to be able to do that kind of thing can we teach them
1: that well, I yeah, mean, I mean, it, it's a lot of practice and, and it can be taught. You can, you can teach um, technique and, and methods and approaches, but there, there's no single mm-hmm. even, method even that just works. The awareness right? that that may right. be. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, if, if to circle us back to the question, I think this is why there's this opinion piece on leadership, right? Because, you know, if no matter what you do, you can't get this person to show up on time. What is their opinion of your leadership? it's probably not yeah, good. It, right. Right. Absolutely. So you can see in their performance, right. And just their actions and their attitudes, like what their opinion is probably of how you're leading and then, okay, I need to make a change or I need to figure this out. The ego though, doesn't allow that at the all. The
0: ego person doesn't see that. The ego person s- says you are lazy you're incompetent. You. You're not.
1: I didn't hire the right person.
0: I didn't hire the right person. Correct. The person who can get past their ego sees, maybe I'm not leading them correctly. Maybe I'm not, I haven't found the right motivators. There's or something whatever. going on. I'm not understanding. Oh. Whatever happens this to be. This is so yeah. big, man. I mean, this has to impact everybody. I mean, I see Sasha over there. She looks miserable, obviously. <laughs> her management, I know I've met her management, probably horrible. You know, when we're not here to see it, they're probably terrible, you know, <laughs> tyrannical. But- I mean, those are. I'm going to actually go back and re listen to this. Mm-hmm. I, I never listen to these episodes. I don't want to rehear my you know my voice or whatever. But this is really interesting stuff because I think this impacts so it's, many. It's, it's workplaces. universal
1: across uh, across all industries. I, I think what happens in in manufacturing and industrial type settings, construction type settings, is that um, you're not on top of people as much. They're out on the floor working they're out in the field working so you don't have you know the uh constant interaction like you would in in the corporate office where you you're constantly having meetings you're constantly doing trying to do the kumbaya thing Mm -hmm. and um so there's a little bit more of a disconnect uh in those type of settings right understandably so people are out working they got to be up on the roof they got to be on the floor they got to be running the machines um but that makes it even more of a challenge, even more important to get out there and do those things to stay connected. Okay. Because I would say probably if, if someone's going to have a bad opinion of their manager or leader, it's probably because you're not staying connected to them enough. Like you're not having enough conversations with them. You're not acknowledging their value uh, enough. Mm -hmm. You might have the monthly meeting. You might have the quarterly safety meeting and that's the last time you hear from them. Right, unless you got a problem so uh, I, it, it's those daily contacts I think are hugely hugely important right because even if they don't like working there their opinion of your leadership is going to be positive if they understand you are you have their concerns truly at heart you value them as an employee yeah the work sucks right now or the or the scenario the situation isn't great but I'm trying to make it better for you
0: mm-hmm that's fantastic, man. Right. That that is something tangible that mm-hmm. supervisors, managers can do. Make sure that they are making those contacts
1: more, rather than just yeah, disappearing know, off to the. You know, if you're if you're running a crew or managing group of people, where it's just crappy, backbreaking work, like you know that you're, you're an ignorant fool if you don't recognize mm-hmm. that. And you mm-hmm. you have to know at any given point, the work itself is miserable, right? And there's, there's no way they're enjoying it right? Who wants to be on a highway in the middle of August where it's a hundred degrees out putting blacktop down? Yeah. It's like, there's not You're lying your ass off to me. Like, this is the greatest job ever. Like, I'm sorry. It just isn't. But that doesn't mean that they have to have a crap opinion of their situation. Right. And then they might be like, you know, this is tough work. I volunteered this, but my boss is awesome Mm -hmm. and they're taking care of me. And I know they're always trying to make it better for me. And that, you know, I'm, I'm being well compensated, mm-hmm. but I'm being taken care of as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I know if I have a problem at home, I can make a call and they're going to help me out. Like it's those things, like those opinions of your leadership and, and, and the company uh, is huge, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they understand the why and they understand that people are there for them. And it's it's kind of a trust thing, obviously,
0: that sure. they, they, they trust that you do have at least their interests to some Absolutely. degree at heart. It's kind of the safety thing, right? A lot of people preach... We're all about safety, and then when it when push comes to shove, we're at, well. Let's skip that for now because we got to get this out the door, sure. whatever. The same kind of thing. Um, is it? I, I kind of envision the military, and I was not in the military. I kind of envision the military similarly to construction, from the standpoint of leaders are often are they reluctant to show a personal side, to be personal? I mean, is, is, as that changed the, in the military? The military is
1: changing drastically. Uh, the running joke is it's becoming more corporate all the time. Mm-hmm. But it's had to what, to what I think degree, that's a I testament suppose. to is understanding uh, leadership and understanding uh, the dynamics of people, the mm-hmm. psychology of organizations. Uh, you don't have to be tyrannical. You don't have to be shut up and do your job, um, to follow orders, salute smartly. Um, understanding you know, diversity in the workplace, you know, so it, it's all good things. Um, so, yeah, there's lots of changes going on. Um, when I when I first came in, it was just the start of what I call the touchy-feely movement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you started to see it come in, and now I think it, it's definitely in full swing uh, to almost to the point where if you took somebody from, you know, the Vietnam-era military into the 80s Cold War, and you drop them in the military now, they wouldn't even recognize it, did to okay. me, other than the uniforms, mm-hmm. uh, just from a leadership-style perspective. And um, it's all good things. Change is necessary. And, and if nothing else, you change to find out what works and maybe what doesn't work at the same time. And you, time tells, right? It just takes time to tell to find out what, what's positive um, you know positive and negative. Uh, so to, to answer your question is, you know, the, the military is always going through changes, right? The military is a giant petri dish. Right. If you're going to test something out, you do it in the military to find mm-hmm. out if it's you know, vaccines for example. Right? Yeah. It, yeah. Tell me about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, so because, cause you have a captive audience, you have a controlled audience. Um, you, if it, if it doesn't work, you know, the military, I joke, the military is built for monkeys, right? So nobody can totally ruin it. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's made so that you can plug and play people. Right. Right. And, and rightfully so. Cause you have to, it's war. You have to perform in a heartbeat. Like you can't have, right. Right. You know, anything not ready to go. So. Um, You know, but it's, it's one of those things where, but at the same time, there's a time and a place for, you know, just shut up and do it. I'll explain it later. Mm -hmm. Right now that, that part needs to happen. I'll explain it later, but, but you have to have a relationship with your people that they trust you enough. Like, look, I need you to do this now. I'll explain it later. Just get to it. Okay. Now, if you don't have a good relationship, you don't have a good environment, that's tough, right? You're going to get pushed back immediately. Mm -hmm. But, it, but if you have good relationships with your people and they trust you and their opinion of you is very high, they'll do it without asking questions, okay? Now, they might be expecting an explanation later on down the road, okay? And it's on you to do that. But if you don't have those things in place, right, and now all of a sudden you come running, in, I need to do this right now, they're going to be like, well, why? Well, what's in it for me? And, yeah, you've done this before and we've gotten burned on it. And so... You know, you have to build up to that. That's not like right. you can do it to me. Now, certain certain environments are still like that out there, and, and I get it, but I promise you the the trust and the camaraderie and, and uh, the opinion is not very high in those areas. But, you know, it's one of those things where I think that's where you start, the b- difference between a manager and a leader, you start to separate yourself. Uh, a leader, a true leader that people have bought into can do that. You know, can I need you to do this now? I'll explain it later.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Do, do you remember any, any leaders in particular that really resonated with you? Anybody that really inspired I mean, Did you have that inspirational um, person that really, or are they, they've all been very similar? Or? You know,
1: I've never been one, this is me personally, I've never been one to be enamored with people. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never had like idols or anything like that. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I acknowledge greatness. I acknowledge people that, um, that do great things and that maybe I might, I want to model part of myself after, but I remember like, Oh my God, like I've never been starstruck. Actually, I shouldn't say that. Like once or twice, I'll tell you a funny story here in a second. But, um, but you know, I I just never idolized but I'm like, Oh, that's, that's really great. And, but that person's human, Mm -hmm. puts their pants on Mm -hmm. one leg at a time, just like I do. Right. So, so I've always had that perspective of it. Um, As far as, you know, it's so funny. It's, I think for me, the bad ones resonate more than the good ones. I think the good ones you unfortunately take for granted at the time because you don't recognize good uh, as much as you recognize bad. Absolutely. And, and that's human nature, right? It's, you know, it's one of the things you understood in business is that you can do a thousand good things for a customer, but the one bad one's going to resonate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right? This is how Without it works. Question. So I think in leadership is like, we always remember the bad ones. We always remember the bad bosses, but we never remember the good ones or acknowledge the good ones. And I think that's important as well um, as far as feedback. And this is where, you know, as a manager, you need to get feedback from people. Is, um, employees should also provide feedback and what they like to encourage more of it. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you don't know what you don't know uh, as a manager and a leader. And if you're not getting that feedback, like you don't continue to do things that are actually making them happy and, and making them perform well. Um, you know, so that's one of the things that I remember is like I, I should have acknowledged the yeah. good leaders yeah. more, and and maybe show more appreciation Agreed. for them, um, because they're few and far between, in my yeah. opinion. Right, would agree. You know, as far as bad ones, like I can, I got a laundry list, right. uh, of bad ones, and I think that's one of the questions. But, um, you know, I had a guy, um, is that, uh, Visco was his last name, and uh, he was my squadron commander, and super cool guy, very down to earth, um. What I liked about him was every time he you, Hey, Aaron, how you doing? Right. Not, Hey, I need you to do this. Or did you get that done? Hey, Aaron, how you doing? What's going on? And just, you know, have a genuine conversation with you. And I didn't realize the value in that mm-hmm. until later in life because I, uh, I had, I recently had a boss, um, who would say, Hey, how are you today? I worked there for five years and a dude never learned my name. <laughs> now, I didn't have a lot of contact with the person, mm-hmm. but enough that after five years, he knew who I was, but never never knew my name, right? Now, that seems trivial, but it also acknowledges, like, what value do I really hold for this dude mm-hmm. other than I'm just, I'm, I'm filling a box for him. And, you know, so when... My squadron commander at the time would be like, "Hey, what's going on? How you doing? This that, and the other thing," and just a genuine conversation. All right, later, get get to work. Then he would say, "All right, get to work." <laughs> right? mm-hmm, yeah, but but he wasn't yeah, doing absolutely. it. He wasn't doing it out of obligation. He did it out of genuine want to have a conversation. Right. And um, he was the type of person where he wasn't a tyrannical idiot he, he was very fun with everybody. Um, he had good relationships with everybody, and uh, everybody really wanted to work for him at mm-hmm. the end of the day.
0: But I mean. Obviously, he, he communicated his expectations fairly clearly. I mean, sure, you knew absolutely. what was expected of you, yeah. and-,
1: and understand too. In the military, like you understand, like everybody has understands the expectations going in. Like you know what the mission is, you know what 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 your job is. The primary functions of your job, like you have evaluations and qualifications you have to keep and standards you have to meet. Okay. Like that's obvious mm-hmm. um, most of the time. How you go about doing that, I think, is where the uh, expectations come in and the environment um, and okay. That type of person. You know you're expected to be within that organization it's interesting but
0: um, when i look back on i I think your point is really well taken that we tend to remember the crappy ones you know they just jump out in our memory and the good ones oftentimes we uh we didn't appreciate at the time certainly but i look back on a handful of managers slash leaders um over the years that i've had that were really you know my favorites and i would have to say that they, they were the ones that, like you said, they would come and ask me how things were going, did I need anything, and then get out of my way. Yeah. You know, if you understood what your, the expectations were, then just step out of you the know, way. You know,
1: I had a, another guy I had uh, as a leader. His last name was Schrader. He was so funny. He was one of those, he, he it was good. He was a big guy, big lifter, and he would walk in. It was so funny. I remember it was clear as day. It'd be like 2 o'clock. And he'd walk in the office and just kind of talk loud. So enough here. He goes, "So, I'm going to the gym. Um, I'll see you guys later." And that was his way of saying, "I'm out for the day. If if you got your shit done, I expect you to be out too. Like <laughs> right. you don't need to be here. Like, and that's how he would do it. He'd be like, mm-hmm. he'd be like, he'd walk in. and he'd go, Aaron, how you doing? Good, good, good. What are you working on? I'm doing this. He goes, All right. Well, you know, don't spend all day on it." Mm -hmm. And, you know, when it's done, it's done. Right. And he would be like, just like get it done and then do what you need to do. And, and the place was firing on all cylinders because he just wasn't, you got to be here nine to five, which is very easy to do in that environment, the government Mm. and the military environment, because it's all based on man hours and contracted hours. Uh, But he he was very good at like, I'm expecting, I'm trusting you that you're going to be an adult and get your work done. I don't really care how you do it. If you're here from nine to 10 in the morning, that's it. I'm fine with it mm-hmm. as long as it's done until the quality I expect. Now, if it's not, we're going to have a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, uh, and it was great because I'm not saying it was a loose environment, but there just wasn't that tension or stress to perform within this box, right? He didn't give you a box. He just said, Be an adult and I'll treat you like an mm-hmm. adult. And however that looks is how it looks. Right. And and he was awesome about it. And uh, I think that's that organization I was in, that's the best that ever performed. Like it was just, the place was rocking. We were getting good stuff done. And uh, everybody was, was happier because he just wasn't in your chili all the time. Mm-hmm.
0: But that, that's kind of like the, uh, um, if you treat me like a third grader, you're going to get a third grader type of approach. Almost out of spite. I, I've been right? in those situations where you were treated like that. And that's ultimately what, it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy of sorts that's what you're going to get
1: mm-hmm. you know so i don't what know. about you sasha you have any bad bosses
0: <laughs> have you actually been empl- have you I, I don't mean to suggest that you haven't been employed but <laughs> have you have you had we're recording this you yeah, can leave yeah. it on
1: right? i just want to make sure i had the, had had the okay. mic plugged in. all
0: right i mean have you had any ba- yeah i mean you remember any good bosses bad bosses i mean
1: honestly like specifically here this is the best management team i've ever worked for uh, because uh, they are those people that are like cool. You know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. I'm going to let you do your thing, do
0: get your, thing. your
1: work done, and I'm going to step back. And mm-hmm. unless I see something that might be an, an issue that might be done
0: incorrectly, but right. I've also been micromanaged before, and I do not perform well under yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't There's, know that it many It sucks the creativity did. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
1: that's actually one of the questions I believe. It is
0: a question. In fact, uh, let's go to that one. This sure. Is, so that was question number Just one. Good caveat. <laughs> so thank you, thank you. Simon. <laughs> Question number two. This comes from Maria, a friend of mine here in town. Can you talk about micromanagers? What makes them be like that? I love that expression. What what makes you be like that? And um, is a, it helpful? I mean, is
1: micromanaging useful? Is it necessary? So here's what I'm going to say. There's a time and a place for it, but very few. So in my mind, micromanaging is total lack of trust. Okay. I don't trust you're going to do what you're going to do. I don't trust that you can take direction. So I'm going to watch you like a hawk to the point where I'm almost doing the job for you. And I've mm-hmm. been in those environments. Mm-hmm. And, and to her point, it is horrible. It. I, I quit a job because of it. I quit a very well-paying job, a mm-hmm. six-figure paying job because I'm like, F this place. Right. F you and all. And then what happens, and, and me... Um, I'm kind of type A. So if someone's micromanaging me and what's really tough is like if you disagree with them, now it's almost like, now I want to prove you wrong. Okay? I'm going to explain to you. I'm going to make sure you understand why you're wrong because you're trying to micromanage me in a way I don't think is right. And now you're just butting heads and it's just not a good environment. But, you know, generally speaking, micromanaging, it's not so much ego. It's it's insecurities. Interesting. It's total insecurity. It's, I don't trust, you're going to do it. I don't think you can do it. Right. And I'm worried about my reputation. I'm worried about what my boss is going to think, so I'm going to be all over it because I don't want to stand the chance that you're going to screw it up for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. And, uh, and then what happens is, is they're on you like a hawk. They're constantly involved in it. And I'll give you an example. I, I worked for a company where I was working through the night in, in their data center, command center, and we would have, uh, operations, a lot of money moving around, and I swear, Doug, every time there was an issue, like we had our procedures, we had our processes in place. If there was an issue, you would, if you couldn't handle it within your original team, you would call an incident management. They would get other people on the phone. They get all cross functional teams. I'm sitting there coordinating all this with the incident manager. We're getting things moving. We'd have conference calls up because you're in the middle of the night and you got all over the world chiming in because somebody wants to know where their 400 million dollar file is and rightfully so Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then invariably you hear beep the vp start popping in and i'm like what are you people doing here Mm -hmm. i need to know what's going on okay yeah i'll tell you in the morning but right it's two o'clock in the morning like what do you do i need to make sure everything we need to make sure the directors be in i'm like if you're here then why are we here (laughs) like what what's the point of having us here Uh if you're going to be constantly coming in and and getting involved and whatnot, like, Mm -hmm. because then you're not doing your job. You should be driving the boat. You should be looking at the aggregate and making the big decisions and, and driving the boat, the larger organization where it needs to go. If you're down in the weeds, you're not doing your job. Mm -hmm. Right. Which means they're probably being micromanaged on their end as well. Right. And so when people are micromanaging, I always go, well, then you're not doing your job. If you're mm-hmm. making if you're constantly worried about doing my job to the point where you're practically doing it yourself, then who's doing your job? That's a great point. Right. And and it's total lack of insecurity. Cascade, I, I just probably. don't Oh yeah, it's and so I just I just don't trust you did. Well, then people at the bottom, I say at the bottom the worker bees hate it because they're just like, well, what am I going to do wrong today? Mm-hmm. What's it going to be today? Oh my god. You know, and did and Did you work for OSHA? I mean, and, uh, so it it, it gets, it's like you talk toxic environment, right? That's, I think that's one of the leading causes of toxic environments. It's just the micromanagement and it's just purely lack of trust and it's insecurities on the end of the leader and the manager. Mm -hmm. And it's like, first of all, if I don't trust you to work for me, why the hell did I hire you to begin with? Right. Okay.
0: And that insecurity is based in how this is going to reflect on me. How it's going to reflect
1: on me or my purely my lack of understanding of what really needs to be done. My trust that I think you can get it done. You know, it, it's, it's all those things. But me, I mean, personally, like my opinion, it's total lack of insecurity is the biggest problem because it's just like, I, I I'm leading. Right. And I'm ultimately responsible. So I'm worried about my job, and my reputation, and I don't want to leave anything to chance. Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I think there's a time and a place for that. I think, you know, There might be times where somebody's incredibly new, um, new to the work, and they do need their handheld, right? But I don't think that's me as a manager to do that. You pair them up with somebody like yourself who's more seasoned and do some on-the-job training and learn from one of their peers, Right. And you should have a program. Right. And this is this all goes back to do you have a good onboarding program? Do you have good continuity training, continuous training program? Do you have good on the job training? Do you have mentoring things put in place? Like if you have all those in place, I don't need to hold your hand. Mm -hmm.
0: And that to some degree, that is going to be a reflection of how precise the work has to be. Is that is that a true statement or because I know, for example, when, when I hear you say that, I think about my situation and as a as a compliance officer, while I was with OSHA as a compliance officer, as an investigator, these are my findings. And then I would bring my in my findings back and we would discuss those findings. And occasionally you would get instructions, well, why didn't you know, why didn't you ask this question? Why didn't you do that? Why didn't, you know, this or that? Well, In the moment, based on the training that you've had, you are conducting the investigation the way that you see fit, and you're following the path of breadcrumbs that have been left for you. You come up with certain conclusions. And it was really discouraging as an investigator, and at that point as a journey-level investigator, to be um, questioned, if not even criticized at times, for certain things. And so it becomes almost this... all of a sudden, you, then you have self-doubt. Now you are sure. questioning your own abilities. And, you know, the blocks just, the dominoes just tumble, it seems like. And, and let's
1: not, uh, I like the fact that you brought up questioning. Let's not only look at micromanagement just in like, um, on your butt all the time, like, or just right beside you. It, it's also that incessant questioning, like the, the incessant second guessing. Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's micromanagement as well. Just, Absolutely. Just why'd you do that? Well, why? Well, why? Did you think about this? Did you think about that? It's like, dude. Like, okay, do you not, do you think I had my head in the dirt and like that? I wasn't considering all these things. Like, if we're going to have an honest conversation, let's have an honest conversation and maybe explore all the options. But, you know, the constant questioning and constant second guessing, that's micromanaging just mm-hmm, as much. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that gets old in a hurry because it's kind of like, dude, if you don't trust me, do it yourself. Right. Just do it yourself. Exactly. Because that's what it sounds like you want to do anyway. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right? right.
0: Oh so, yeah. I lived through that for quite a long time. And, um.
1: You know, and uh, oh, man. And it, here's what I would say. Like if you, I think we've all been there. Like anybody that's been in charge of people has maybe had an urge to micromanage, right? And, and, and that's because maybe you didn't like to see how things, you didn't like seeing how things were going or you didn't like seeing how things were unfolding and you wanted to jump in and fix it before it became a train wreck, which I get that. But you have to one of the reasons to get away from micromanagement is to let people screw it up and let them blow it up and and trust them and let them understand, look, uh, I'm going to give you some tools. I'm going to let you screw it up. And then we're going to come back and learn from it. And then I'm going to let you get out there again and do it again. Um, I'm, I'm not going to save you every time. And I have to be willing to let them to do that. Right. Right. Otherwise, otherwise that's I got to resist that urge of being pulled back in. It's wanting to dive in mm-hmm. and do it for them or dive in and save them. It's like, look, I, I have to force myself to trust, right? And I have to force myself to let them do it. Okay. I have to delegate. Like micromanagers don't like to delegate. Like they say they're delegating, but they're right behind you mm-hmm. trying to trying to make sure you're doing it right. That's not delegating. Exactly. Okay. That's, that's, that's verbalizing delegation, yeah. but not am actually doing it. So you have to be willing to do that. And, and you have to be willing to set them up. You have to be willing to set the tone that I'm going to let you go out there and hang yourself. Now I'll cut I'll cut the noose mm-hmm. and let you down. Right. But I'm going to give you an opportunity to do it again. Yeah. Right. Because that's how we learn. That's how we build trust. That's how I'm going to show that I'm going to let you do it. Okay. And I'm not going to be on top of you all the time because I want to build this environment where I can just say, Hey, here's what I need you to do, and then you're off and doing it. Mm-hmm. Come back when you're done, or hit me up when you need something. Right. Other than that, I don't want to hear from you. Not that I don't care about you. It's like, I don't want to, I don't need to hear from you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. I don't need you to check in. It, it was funny. Here's a funny story. When I first started working at UNO, and this is when I realized academia was a little bit different than corporate or the military is, uh, um, you know, you just get in a habit of, of checking in with your boss. Right. And so I, it was one of the first few weeks I was working there. I rolled up to the Dean's office and knocked on her door. She goes, Hey, what's up? I go, I not know. Just checking in. See if you need anything. She's like, why? What's wrong? <laughs> What are you checking in for? I go, I don't know. That's what you do. Like, let's just check <laughs> oh, in. Like, yeah. see, right. I've been conditioned to it, check right? in. Right. And I've been conditioned to, you know, report in and then mm-hmm. give an update and then stuff like that. She goes, No, I'm good. <laughs> and I just go, Okay. And then kind of awkward for a second. Uh-huh. Then I just walked out. I was like, Oh, okay. Now I know. I don't need to do that. Yeah. Um, but it was cool, too, because, you know, they have a lot of, a lot of, with academic freedom and just, you do mm-hmm. what you got to do and let us know if you need something. And right. otherwise we're not going to question anything, which is good and bad to a point. Yeah. I'm not saying don't check in on your people. Sure. Like don't, don't mistake checking in on people as micromanaging That's right. not the case at all. Checking in, Hey, what's going on? How you doing? How are things? Do you need anything? That's not micromanaging. That's mm-hmm. just being a good leader. That's just checking in, having those daily conversations. Right. Right. And, and building that trust and opinion. Well, if you need something, let me know. I'm out. And then, I, and I then do think gone. the
0: checking in is, is uh, probably important, probably mm-hmm. to the employee who's being checked in on as well. I mean, sure. if you need to be redirected a little bit, maybe you're not too far down. Sure. I used to work for this company when I was in high school called Landscapes Unlimited. This guy is out of Lincoln, and now he's one of the biggest golf course developers in the world. But at the time, he had just started his company. This was probably 1977 or something. Where were you in 77 by uh,
1: Okay. Not in existence.
0: So, <laughs> right. So um, she, <laughs> and so I used to drive this Ditch Witch Trencher. So they would stake, you know, they'd put flags up where they wanted this trench to be dug, and I would get on this Ditch Witch Trencher. You'd put it, you'd drop the boom down, you'd put it in trenching mode, and it would just kind of creep along. And, you know, eventually I'd be asleep. <laughs> this ditch, and he would drive by, he had this old El Camino. He would drive up beside me, and I would now I'd be off the path, of course, you know, because it's just going to go where it goes. And he would lay on the horn, and I would jump out of the seat, <laughs> and I would redirect it, and then he would drive off. Didn't say anything, didn't you know? Didn't criticize me, didn't do, you know? But he would just kind of check in on me, mm-hmm. give me a little bit of redirection if necessary, and then
1: carry yeah, on, you know? it's important I mean, it's kind too, of a right? Weird analogy, you know, you don't it's the same you don't want to swing the far end of it like. Y- they need to know you're still watching. Yeah. Right? Employees need to know you're still watching. Not not in a way I'm checking up on you, but in a way that I'm not completely ignorant to what's going on and I do care about the work. Yeah. And and I, and the, yeah. I, mean, and, and I am going to check in on you, mm-hmm. but I'm not going to be on top of you all the right. time, right? So and and I might check in on you when you least expect it. So, you know, you you want, it, it's like your it's like your parents, right? You want that little bit of fear that don't think I'm not watching, mm-hmm. right? And and the second you think I'm not watching, I'm going to be there. Uh, but not to the point where they're working in fear, right? It's that, right. It's that having that healthy fear. It's right. like, hey, the boss is watching. Like, you know, we, you know, mind your p's and q's, but they're going to let you work autonomously as much as humanly possible yeah. at the same time, right? So that that's the balance you got to you got to strike. But um, I think,
0: like you, you you mentioned, like that willingness to allow people to maybe make some mistakes along the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, God, you, you know, when we played ball, you remember that. If you were playing ball for a coach who would pull you the minute you made a, you know, you missed a tackle or yeah. you dropped a pass or something, you're out. Yeah. You, you can't play under
1: those circumstances. Yeah, and I when think, you put
0: that in the work setting, it's the same thing. You
1: know, you talk about leadership changing. I think the, the, the biggest example is that is how coaching has changed. You know, we grew up in an era where you, didn't, you earned your water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you're thinking about right. that content you earned your water you people water screwed up you weren't getting a water break that right. day you know and it was very tyrannical and uh, you got one shot at it or the next guy's coming in and, and now you can just see how coaches how coaching has changed right and coaching is, is purely leadership mm-hmm. head coaches are purely leaders right and uh just seeing how coaching has changed should clue you in on how leadership needs to be changing as well. Right. You know, um, that's, a great, that's a great parallel. I actually had a, a, somebody one time, I actually had a boss tell me one time, you need to micromanage your people. And I knew I was doomed at that place. <laughs> right. The second I had that conversation, yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you're actually telling But that person was very insecure, was very on top of, would always question and re question and, and, and doubt every move you made. And, and the place was terrible to work at. But I knew the second those words came out of that person's mouth, I was like, oh, I'm not going to last here very long. Yeah, <laughs> no doubt. That's interesting. All right, man, we
0: got one more question. Sure. All right, we're going to cover. I think we got time for one more question. We've actually spent about 45 minutes per question. So we're right, <laughs> on, we're right on track. That's <laughs> all good. All right, here we go. Uh, number three, this came from Josh. Um, I have supervisors that are very old school. They would describe themselves as old school, kind of that because I said so approach. Mm-hmm. Um, should I try to change them? And if so, how, how would I go about moving them
1: in a, in a, well, I mean, here, here's the thing, like you're, should I try to change them? Like the odds of you changing them, right, is slim to none, mm-hmm. depending how far they are in their career. What you can do is when you have that one-on-one conversation is you need to communicate how you like to be led, what resonates with you, what doesn't resonate with you, what you liked and didn't like, you know, and and you're going to find out right away what their temperament is Mm -hmm. to acknowledge that and and adjust to it. Like, you can easily say, hey, I didn't appreciate that last conversation we had and here's why. I don't, you can say, I don't perform well under these circumstances. Like, Mm -hmm. you have to convey that. Um, And then you're going to find out in a hurry if they're going to be willing to adjust to it or being Mm -hmm. open to that, to the idea. Um, It it is on you. I think it is on the employee to to convey how you want to be led, what's the ideal circumstances in which you can perform at your best. Um, A lot of employees don't feel comfortable bringing that up because the boss hasn't shown they're going to be receptive to that or hasn't given the opportunity for them to voice that concern. Um, So here's the clue, right? If that supervisor isn't asking your opinion or isn't asking anything like, how do you think this would be better or what can we do better? They're probably not going to be receptive to it because right? yeah. they're not doing it already. Mm-hmm. Um, but in the spirit of trying, that's what you got to do. Next time you have that conversation or have that one-on-one, it's like, and if they if they do go, do you have any questions? You go, well, yeah, actually I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually it's more less of a question than something I want you to understand. It's like, I don't appreciate x y or z or i don't perform well when you do x y or z okay yeah absolutely you need to make that known Uh, if nothing else hopefully they'll take it back and and ponder and think about it a little bit or you're going to know in a hurry if they say well well tough crap this is how it is then it's probably time to move Mm -hmm. right then it's it's you know, probably time to get out from under that person, right? Because it, some people just don't want to change or they're not capable of changing. It's not, that they don't want to, they're not capable. Uh, it's too hard. Change is too hard. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's easier just to be the tyrannical leader and, and that's what's in their mind worked for them. Um, now mind you, if you're in a bigger company where HR is very much involved and HR is, is working well, you can take that route as w- as well, right? Mm-hmm. You, you can just approach HR, here are my concerns. I don't foresee this changing. What can we do? Yeah. You need to take that approach. Yeah. Uh, I'm not a fan of getting HR involved because I think that the conversation needs to happen between the supervisor and the employee or the boss, and the employee, right? right. Uh, generally when HR is involved, those conversations aren't happening and you, you know, there's an issue immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I know, the, I know some companies encourage use of HR because it's a safe place. It's a happy medium. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I get that, but. In my mind, like if I'm, if I'm a VP or a director at a company and people are using HR a lot, I have concern because it's like, why aren't you talking to your boss? Or why don't you feel comfortable talking to your boss? In my mind, I don't want HR involved ever. They shouldn't need to be. right? Right? right. Because you have good relationships throughout the company that your employees can, it truly is open door and they can walk in and talk to you about anything. They don't want to talk to HR. They want to talk to you. Right, 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 absolutely. You know, so totally. if, to answer this question in that manner, like if you don't feel comfortable walking in and voicing these opinions to, the, to that person, okay, there, there's there's a larger issue yeah, right there. Bigger, yeah, bigger issue. There's a bigger That's interesting
0: issue. though, because I think, you know, much like my sons, my sons are grown men at this point. When I talk to my sons about things, I, I'm, I'm planting seeds. They, they never agree, you know, if I'm kind of directing them or trying to subtly direct them. They they never in the moment agree with me because that would be a concession they're not willing to make. But you know <laughs> later, you know th- days later or weeks later, you might just you might start to see some subtle changes. Sure. Much like your you know your comment. If I go to my boss and say, Hey, look, man, I mean, I, I would do much better if we had you know this understanding. And you know they may yeah. not. It's tough to do. I get it. They may not hug you right there at the table, but you might start to see some subtle changes. And so it's worth the conversation. And
1: I understand the challenge. A lot of people aren't comfortable doing it because they're fearful for their job. Like, oh, I don't want to lose my job. Right. But at the same time, you know, you have to ask yourself, like, if you're miserable, is the money worth it? There's other jobs out there. Right. right? Like, no job's the magical job. I mean, I, I shouldn't say that, but there's other opportunities yeah. out there to be miserable I'm like how many i mean studies have shown the majority of people only stay in their job because they're fearful of not getting paid right they mm-hmm. they're fearful yeah. of not finding another job where they can make the money and so they'll stay in a job that they hate mhm not just the work just the environment right people yeah. people no more reason people quit cuz of culture They'll cite culture it's never about money sometimes it is but most of the time it's just i just didn't like working there right people will work for yeah. less mhm all the time people quit high paying jobs all the time yeah you know um and 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 i get it it's tough um and and maybe one of the things to bring up to this person is hey can we just have like a a meeting with everybody just to solicit opinions on on you know how to make Mm -hmm. things better around here Mm -hmm. and now you might get well why what's wrong well okay that that (laughs) <laughs> that retort right, right there is what's wrong, right? right? That's like, that should clue that something's yeah. wrong, right? No doubt. Yeah. Um, and and I get it. It's hard to do. Like I, I don't don't ex- ever expect to change your boss or your leader. Right. And and I shouldn't say that in respect to like an overnight change. Mm-hmm. Right? Suddenly they're going to go, oh, I didn't mm-hmm. know that. Well, everything's going to be different from now on. Well, that's that's a lie. But you can start, like you said, <laughs> planting seeds, or you can start voicing your opinion. You can start making sure they understand. Here's how I perform well. Here's what I appreciate. I'm not expecting you to bend over backwards for me, mm-hmm. but at least acknowledge, right, that this is, you know, what I prefer. And then if you're not willing to do that, it, it is what it is, man. It's, it's time to move on. Yeah. Right. It's, you know, um, you know, you had asked me to talk about some books and I'm a big John Gordon fan. Uh, And the book I have here, The Power of a Positive Team, is one of his most recent books. But he's got a slew of books that I encourage everybody to read because they're very easy reads. He does it kind of like in a fable Mm -hmm. approach. He's Mm -hmm. telling a story the whole time and weaving it in. But one of his books, The Energy Bus, is probably his most famous and probably the most impactful that he has. And, And the gist of it is it's like, hey, you're either on the bus or you're not. Right? You either come in here with a good attitude and positive energy or you don't need to be here. Right. All right. And, and it's on the leader to set that tone and be positive. I can be miserable and be upset about stuff, or I can have a positive outlook and be an optimist. Right. Mm -hmm. And if I'm optimistic and I bring good energy, that's going to resonate. And then everybody will start doing that. And if people don't want to do that, Hey, it's maybe time to get off the bus. So there's a flip side to that. It's like, you know, how your boss treats you doesn't necessarily need to dictate how you act and how act towards everybody else. Right. And if, if that bus isn't a good bus, it's time for you to get off of it mm-hmm. and go find a bus mm-hmm. that, you know, is commensurate to your needs. Yeah. Um, and I think it's very important. Uh, coach Denny, who used to be the wrestling coach at UNO, mm-hmm. uh, made a comment to us one time where, you know, we were talking to him about coaching and teams and how do you handle just someone who just doesn't, is disruptive on the team. And he made this comment like, sometimes you just got to know who to kick off the bus. Right. Right. Because, Absolutely. because it's detrimental. Uh, there the there can be the a day, day, cancer to that, right? The, and and sometimes the whole bus is bad, mm-hmm. right? And you need to get off that bus and and get on a new yeah. one. And uh, you know, you, you, I don't. I think you can make some changes, and over time, it'll take place. But how much time do you want to stay in a place and, yeah. and waffle, hoping that boss is going to change?
0: That that is a that is an interesting question, man. That was uh, the question I was confronted with about seven years ago. I, you know, I'd been with OSHA for seventeen years, and there were there were aspects of OSHA that I really appreciated and respected. You know, the mission is certainly a noble mission to make sure people have a safe place to work, but it it had become kind of an, just an environment. I mean, I, I just, I was going home and I was kicking my dog and I was, you know, um, or my wife, I'm not, I was kicking something when I would get home from work and I was just not feeling it. I'm generally a very positive guy. I'm, you know, the glass is half full. um, kind of an approach typically, you know, and uh, full of bourbon or whatever it is, but you know, it's half full. And, um, but man, it was affecting me and I knew I had to get off the bus and I was terrified because I had, I had contributed a lot of my professional life to this and it was actually in a position to be promoted probably at that point. And um, when I quit, it was the, it was the most, most cathartic yeah. Probably day of my life. And, and the rest has been fantastic. I've, I've loved sure. what has come after, but Scary it was terrifying, though, man. Yeah, terrifying. Be, I was so
1: scared. And I would say um, a thought just popped in my mind, uh, not not to backtrack, but the micromanaging thing. Um, and it, it relates to this question, too. Like, if you feel, if you find yourself micromanaging or the urge to micromanage, uh, going back to the insecurities, uh, ask yourself, like, what? What am I insecure about here? Like what's what's making me want to be on top of my people? Um, you know, as a way to that self, you know, I've said before, self-reflection is huge, like looking at yourself in the mirror, understanding what you're good at, what you're not good at, but just doing an evaluation of like how am I doing as a boss? Like it's easy to get in our own little echo chamber and think everything's great, but you know, like, hey, so and so came in my office and asked me a weird question. Why would they ask that? Like what what's what am I doing wrong here? Or why am I finding myself on the shop floor all the time? Like, what am I insecure about? And then ask yourself those hard questions, like, to to prevent yourself from going down that path and Mm -hmm. ask, like, you know what? It's really, it's my own insecurity. It's like, yeah, we had one job go bad, and ever since then, I want to make sure it's all right. But it's like, hey, it was one job. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, get off, like, Right, Just let it go. Like, put it to bed and, and trust they're going to continue. That's, yeah. It's one job, not every job. Right, right? It was one security. I can, I can understand how, you know, in your line of work, like if there's a major safety problem, major safety incident, how those bosses would want to be on top of everything constantly for a while. It's like we just had a fatality. I can see how they'd be one. But as it, terrible as it sounds, it's like, okay, it was an incident. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? And it I, it I is a fine line suddenly,
0: between, oftentimes, between a near miss and a fatality is oftentimes right. a, a fine and line. And
1: there's probably That's countless fine. near misses. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, we had a fatality. Let's evaluate it. Let's put some processes in place. But now I can't suddenly question every move they're going to make and mm. be on top of them constantly and get into that micromanagement mode. Like right. I understand how that, that insecurity could be there because, I mean, who the hell wants a fatality or a major injury? But at the same time, okay, the risk is always going to be there. I have still have to trust these these people to, and these guys to 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 run and do what they mm-hmm. think is best, and to work safely. Right? right. We yeah. talked about that. Not, yeah. not not safety. Work safely right. all the time, but trust you those know, processes. You, you have place. to fight that urge to to want to to want to get out there and be on top of them because it's like okay, we just had somebody die. Oh, we don't want that to happen again. I got to be there. No. Yeah. Right. You, maybe initially. Right. Yeah. But. You have to pull yourself out, back out of that, right? And like, what what am I insecure about? Like, and and it's mm-hmm. it's looking the back. Okay, I see what I'm doing. I need to pull back, and because because they're feeling that tension too. If suddenly the boss is there all the time when they not used to be there, it's like okay, now there's that tension. Now you know, big brother's watching, mm-hmm. and they're under the watchful eye. Now now they're tense while they're working, and you're probably going to cause more mistakes yeah. than normally would happen. Right.
0: That really adds to it. Yeah.
1: That's fantastic, that
0: man. That that was. Like I said earlier, I'm going to go back and re-listen to this. We covered so much material. That was so good. I, I You know, and I'm not looking for a break on You're my You're just stroking me right. now, man. That's all. Uh, it, was
1: just, it was fantastic.
0: <laughs> no, that was really good stuff, man. Um, we
1: didn't even get to the couple slides we wanted. No. We've next got, time. We've always next time. Yeah,
0: we'll do it again next time. Next uh, The last Friday of October, which was right around Halloween sometime. Oh, but even better. Yeah, it, Halloween's a Saturday this year, so is it, the 30th. Oh, so we'll do it right before Halloween. We'll do it in costume. There we go. All right. Sounds <laughs> good, man. Hey. Thanks again for being here. No, thank you. It's great I, information, and I
1: appreciate everybody bringing in the questions. It, it makes it so much easier on yeah. us to to really just get to your points and and what you guys want to hear and, and issues you're having. Yeah. Uh, we, we can sit here and pontificate and just bring up issues, but bringing up stuff that directly applies to, to things you guys are seeing and, and are, or has happened. The best, like if you guys have any examples of, hey, this happened on our job site, what do you think? That's a good idea. Those would be great to talk about. Yeah, because like or, or, hey, I had a boss that did this one time. What do you think? Mm-hmm. Or how would you have approached that? Th- those would be great examples because those are hard mm-hmm. examples that have happened, and now we can directly relate it to an experience you had. Um, and then and then move forward from there. That'd be
0: fantastic. Yeah, the questions this week were great. I, yeah. I really enjoyed them. So thanks for sending them in. Thanks for being here, man. My Have bet. a great weekend. Sasha, thanks. Have a great weekend. Uh, just remember why we're doing this, folks. Um, safety is personal, and uh, just remember why. So we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.